Hello and welcome to Horror Cult Trash Other, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And this is episode two of our Christmas special episodes. It's Christmas Eve. Hey. So before we get on to today's film, we need to discuss two trash to pieces. I don't even know the trash to pieces. Two pieces of trash released over the past... <laughs> Two, three weeks. Yeah, so we tend to focus on older films um, on this podcast. Uh, the good, the bad and, and the ugly. Uh, but there's been a couple of films released fairly recently that we, we're dying to talk about. Yeah, and we, we will probably discuss these again next week um, when we do our best and worst of the year. But Oh yeah, but they, they need some... They, yeah, we need to mention them right now. <laughs> that the only films I've ever finished watching and immediately thought, okay, I need to record a podcast episode on these. <laughs> so instead of doing separate episodes, we're going to discuss them a little bit now. The first of which is Blumhouse's Black Christmas. So Black Christmas is obviously a horror classic. However, it's not really very well known. It's not... It's, it's not like something like Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween where everybody knows it exists. You know, it's not... It's, it's iconic amongst horror buffs, but anyone who's not familiar with the genre wouldn't know what it is. It's already been remade once in 2006, um, which was, you know, terrible. Yeah. But it looks like a masterpiece in comparison to this piece of shit. I don't get why Blumhouse thought it was a good idea to slap the Black Christmas name on this, because it's not like it was going to make them a profit or anything. It's not a big name. I think Black Christmas as a title is a very good title. Yeah, but they made it out to be a remake. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's got very, very, very little in common with the original. There's fuck all. There's, there's nothing at all. The only nod is one of the characters tries to kill another character with a plastic bag. Yeah. That's yeah. about it. So essentially, it's set around Christmas. It's set within a sorority house. And uh, there's the plastic bag. That's yeah. it. And it's, it's meant to be a feminist horror film. Now, of course, you know, anyone who listens to this podcast, we're an LGBT podcast. You know, we fucking live for equal rights. And... Obviously, a feminist horror film, I'm down for that. I am so up for that. You know, uh, especially tied in with Black Christmas, it's the perfect tie-in, you yeah, know? It, the original is a feminist horror film, I, essentially. Yeah, yeah. With the, with the original film, our main character, um, Jess, um, she's looking to get an abortion. Uh, and this is 1974, yeah. where, you know, that's a big deal. And to have her as the heart of the film and our final girl and, you know, the character we're rooting for, that's a big step. You know, throughout the whole film, she is looking to get an abortion. She's looking to have control over her own body and, you know, whatever backlash she gets from that, she's she's fighting against. And, you know, that that's, you know a key part of the women's right movement throughout the, you know, 20th century. Um, so to include that was really quite brave for the original film. And, and I think that aspect does make it a feminist horror film. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even the 2006 remake, a lot of characters are unlikable, but, you know, they go on a lot about um, the celebrated history of uh, the sorority house and, you know, all the legacies and whatnot. This film, I mean, if you don't want to hear any spoilers for Black Christmas, if you're going to watch this, then forward it on about 
uh, two or three minutes and um, and then you won't miss anything. But I mean, you can't exactly recommend it. But this film makes all of its characters out of female characters to either be nagging, moaning, stupid, always upset. It's fucking ridiculous. It's insulting. It's it set out to be a feminist horror film, but it does the exact opposite. And the way it portrays the men is just as bad. It, normally, if someone says, "Oh, oh, this film hates men," like it did with fucking Ghostbusters and all that bullshit, you know, then for, you know what? I would be like, "No, you're wrong. You are just sensitive, and you feel a bit demas, whatever the word is. You, you don't feel, um, you know, you don't feel like you've got that male strength there anymore. That." you felt you had before when, like, Ghostbusters was all male and things like, you know, things like that. But people are so picky for no reason over them to be a little bit sexist. But this, it, it does hate men. There is no denying that. It hates men. It hates women. It hates the original. It hates slasher films. It fucking hates everyone. I don't get the purpose of this film existing. My issue with this film is that it obviously has a feminist slant, but it treats the audience like they're stupid because it takes this feminist ideal of women being just as strong as men because, sort of, you know, I'm not a woman, so I, I can't speak on behalf of women, but as far as I know, the whole idea of feminism is equal rights. Yeah. It's not about women being better. It's not about men being better. It's about them being equal. Yeah. So a film like this is telling us at every single turn that it's a feminist horror film. Yeah. That women are strong. But to make every man in the film a massive piece of shit, it doesn't really do what it sets out to do. No, there's there's a scene where... Um, one of the only likable male characters starts saying, well, you know, not every man's a rapist and, you know, not every man's piece of shit. And they fucking kick him out of the sorority house. Yeah. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. And also, I mean, we don't want to talk about this forever, but my last point is, I mean, last two points is, first of all, it's rated PG-13, so every time there's a kill, it's, there's no blood. It looks stupid. It looks it's, fucking it's ridiculous. Barely a horror film. No, really. It's barely a film. It's it's it. It isn't scary. No. At all. Whereas the original was genuinely quite scary, throughout. Still to this day, every time we we watch that every Christmas night, and it still scares me. It's really unsettling. The original. There's so much to love about it. But my second point was, the trailer. When we watched the trailer before the film, we kept saying there must be another twist. Because the trailer gives away everything. Mm -hmm. We see the start of the film, we see the middle of the film, and we see the end of the film. We see the twist that Kerry Owls, or however you pronounce his name from Saw, uh, we see that he's leading a cult. He is awful, awful in it. Awful in So this. bad. Awful. We, we see that he's leading a cult. Uh, we see that, you know, uh, these cults are all possessed and everything. And... Then the women fight back, and that's going to be a big deal about it. That's the entire film given away in the trailer. It's like they made the film around that trailer. Yeah, and all the women that fight back... You don't apart know Apart from one, we don't even know them. They're introduced like five minutes before the end yeah, of the film. They, they don't even have speaking roles. So all the women in, within the film that you've cared about, that you've gotten to know, 
they're either dead or you know just there yeah no by the end they're just sort of they're not really fully rounded characters no but that's to wrap that up yeah that's our uh, quick yeah very disappointing and i think we'll speak about it more on our worst of yeah it, it for me it's definitely the worst horror film of the year yeah, oh no, absolutely. Yeah, sorry, spoiler alert but for next week. But... For the worst film of the year, we have a film we watched on Friday, opening night, Cats. <laughs> Cats. Holy shit. This film is something special. This film is currently, as we speak, on a 2.7 on IMDb. I have generous. not seen a reaction to a film like this. Ever. I've never no. seen... Never. In my 27 years of life have I seen a reaction to a film this bad. Um, we, we've Something that the two films have in common is that we both saw the IMDb ratings. They were particularly low. The feedback was particularly bad. But we were like, do you know what? We've seen a load of shit in our time. We, we have. We've yeah. seen some... Genuinely shit films that we've enjoyed watching. Yeah. Because, you know, we look at films in a different way to, to, to a lot of people. Yeah. I, I believe. Well, even Black Christmas. we appreciate these trash to pieces. Yeah. I mean, even Black Christmas, that still had a few good reviews. Even though it's mainly negative, yeah. it still had a few people defending it, which I still can't understand why. Cats does not have one person defending it. I've not no. seen one good review. No, not one person. No. This is became... It's almost become a cult film before, you know, within its first few days of release. Because it's... Word's gotten round that this is... This massive piece of trash in the same way that it did for The Room. And it does it, people comparing it to the, the filmmaking arts of uh, Tommy Wiseau. People are telling everyone this is terrible. And people are going to see it because of how bad it is. That is something special. That is... I've never... Apart from The Room. But, yeah. This is fucking mad. We've seen it. You know? And, uh... Yeah, everyone's right. Yeah, it, it's... This is the worst film I've ever seen in my life. I swear. This is the worst film. It makes The Room look like an Oscar-winning masterpiece. The, the question that I've had... And it's never... It hasn't actually been answered. Um, is... Was the musical... The stage musical that has been running... For years and years and years, world-renowned musical. I haven't seen it. Is that as bad as this film? Or have the filmmakers just completely fucked it up? Well, the stage play is very well-received. It's as been around for so I, long. I mean, so people film. make fun of it. Well, the original film. People think that's... That's like 7.7 7 on IMDb. This is... You know, I mean, the original is obviously people in leotards uh, dressed as cats. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, that's fine. That that doesn't need to be changed. But the filmmakers... It doesn't translate. It f- doesn't translate. They could have made this into an animated film. It and it wouldn't have been, been as bad. It should have been an animated film. It really should have. But part of the reason that this is um, so bad is... And I partially agree with you about Black Christmas being the worst horror film. I think this is the worst horror film of the year. The cats <laughs> are fucking terrifying. Yeah, they look like scary. monkeys putting CGI cat suits with their faces projected on them. Of random actors. It's like... And the cast is an ensemble cast. But no one does a good job in this film. No. Fucking nobody. They can't sing. 
The dance routines are weird, but the film essentially is an hour and 50 minutes of cats greeting each other, singing a song, having a bit of a dance, having a bit of a cry, doing the same thing again for an hour and 50 minutes. It's fucking bullshit. I think, and correct me if, if you disagree, but I think this has a lot in common with Xanadu. <laughs> in the idea is that it's a musical... Where, no, it makes no sense. Which makes no sense, which isn't really about anything, which is poorly executed, has some top-notch talent, which is completely wasted, and the music... Now, they really fuck up the music in Cats, because it doesn't sound... You, you listen to Betty Buckley or Barbara Streisand do Memory... Jennifer Hudson's version is just really weird. Um, I, I don't know what they were going for with that. I mean, when I when I watch a musical, I and I'm listening to a ballad, I want that belted out, big voice. And Jennifer Hud- Hudson can do it. You know, she won an Oscar for Dreamgirls, so it completely wasted her talent because the version of Memory is just. Awful. Yeah. Awful. Like, really low-key. Suddenly, Jennifer Hudson can't sing. Yeah. It's fucking weird. No and one... she looks the weirdest out of all of them. Uh, Ian McKellen. Oh, yeah. I okay. was in tears laughing at Ian McKellen in this film. <laughs> I... Chris had to shut me up. I could not stop laughing. It is really jarring. And it's the only film where you get to see Ian McKellen appear on screen... Act like some kind of sexual predator making his way towards the camera. Then just shout... Meow! In his big Gandalf voice. It's worth seeing for that alone. Dame Judi Dench looks like she's being held at gunpoint. She does. She looks now, so there uncomfortable. Is a waste of talent. That is a waste of talent right there. And she was meant to be in the original... I think she only agreed to do this because she was meant to be in the original play, uh, original musical back in uh, 81. Uh, but she injured herself, so I think this was her chance to play a role in Cats. And Lord, did she what a mistake. fail on that count. She chose the wrong time. Yeah, so Cats is a but, piece of shit. Yeah, but go watch it. I swear, go watch it, because it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it's the most painful cinema experience I've ever had. But it does have its laughable moments. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I wouldn't pay big bucks for it. <laughs> no, we're on Odeon Limitless. If you're on Limitless, in, in, go in the watch UK, it. that's where you get to go to the cinema as much as you want. Yeah, for one price of eighteen pound per month. You pay a monthly subscription. Lucky enough, we've already got our money's worth before we watch Cats. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's uh, what's been happening in the world of cinema over the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like I said, usually we won't do it, but we had to speak about those films. But. Now, on to now, our Christmas film. We have Trash Royalty for you this week. This film is uh, part of the Big Three. Well I, well, I call it the Big Three. I don't know if anyone else does. But um, for me, it's The Room, Troll 2, and fucking Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Yeah. This is also um, requested by uh, Ryan from Movie So Bad the Good. I believe they come. They I've, yeah no I know they covered it yeah they covered it too. Um, Ryan's actually met uh, Eric Freeman. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, I didn't think he did much. He does cons. Shit, yeah. guilt and embarrassment. Well, I think he embraces it now. Does he? Yeah. Him and his eyebrows. 
Released in 1987, this was directed by Lee Harry, who only directed one of a film called Street Soldiers. Okay. And it has a budget of $100,000. Might be our lowest budget film. That is quite low. Actually, actually. that we've discussed on here. Oh, I don't know, I think Demon Wind might have been lower. Well, I, th- I think if you count how many minutes of the film is actually original <laughs> material, $100,000 is quite expensive. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> so, a um, bit of trivia for you. Ricky's eyebrows move up and down 130 <laughs> times in this film. <laughs> they fucking do. They certainly His do. eyebrows, uh, they should have got their own credit in the cast. They are something special. <laughs> Um, one of the lines in the film, Garbage Day, has became an internet sensation. And that's how this film got its court following. Oh my god, yeah. That moment. I knew that moment years and years before I even watched the original. Yeah, it's yeah. it's iconic. It really is. And of course we'll talk about that a little later. Um, so the actor who played 15-year-old Ricky was actually 24. Daryl Gilbu. He most certainly was 24. And for the most baffling fact of all, this was banned in the UK by the BBFC. Uh, Do you want to know what for? Go on, then. What for? The scene where Linnea Quigley uh, gets impaled on Adler's. Uh, you know, the scene that's from a completely different fucking yeah. film. So, uh, this film is 40 minutes of flashbacks of the first Silent Night, Deadly Night. Essentially. And we recently watched the first Silent Night, Deadly Night. And honestly, the 40 minutes you see in this film are the only 40 minutes you need to see of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah. Nothing else. It's a great film. The first one, I actually like as a horror film, as a slasher film. It's campy. It's great. It's a lot of fun. The uncut version is phenomenal. Well, not... The kills are phenomenal because... Yeah, there's some you, good kills, The actually. practical effects are incredible. Yeah, there's some interesting kills in the film. Yeah, uh, but this is essentially going to be review a review of both the first and second film because, <laughs> you know, we've got to talk about the first film to talk about this film. Pretty much. So the plot is, now adult Ricky talks to a psychiatrist about how he became a murderer after his brother Billy died, which leads him back to Mother Superior. That bitch, Mother Superior. Yeah, so, essentially, if, if we didn't have all the flashbacks, you would really have had to have watched the first film for any of this yeah. to make sense. If you, if you cut out those 40 minutes mm-hmm. of flashbacks to the first film, then, yeah, if you watch this on its own, then it wouldn't make it... It doesn't make much sense. Um, but it wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. No, no. Well, we open with some white socks, black shoes, and a bit of foot tapping. Yeah, a little bit of foot tapping. And no, it's not Michael Jackson. It's Ricky. <laughs> so we get a pan shot up his... He sat down. So it goes up his body. He's smoking a ciggy. And it goes up to uh, Eric Freeman's face. And his eyebrows. stupid face and his amazing eyebrows. <laughs> he does have a stupid face throughout this film. <laughs> So, get a nice close-up of it. Uh, before we continue, I just want to say, this film brings me so much joy. It's, this is obviously a bad film, but oh my God, it's a definition of so bad it's good. I love watching this film. I could watch this film again and again and again and never get bored. It's so fucking entertaining, but for the wrong reasons. It's one of those films you don't know if to rate it five stars or one star. Nah. What is, I, don't know. I mean, for the filmmaking, purely, I base my ratings of 
the filmmaking, and that obviously deserves... I'll give it two now, but for entertainment, it's fucking five stars all the way. For me, it's very lazy filmmaking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of it makes no sense. There's plot holes. Um, it's not even a full film, really. No, but you tell me you wasn't entertained. I was I was entertained, I suppose. It, it was funny in a crappy kind of way. Well, Ricky uh, has a bit of dramatic chemistry with uh, a security guard at a mental asylum where he's being held. <laughs> they just stare at each they other. They just stare at each other whilst he's setting up a tape recorder. It's really weird. They're just literally just staring at each other. We're, we're meant to, I think we're meant to think they've had some sort of situation before with them two. I, I don't mm. know. But then we're introduced to Dr. Henry Bloom, who introduced himself as Dr. Bloom, Henry, or if Ricky prefers, you could just call him Doc. To which Ricky replies, fuck off, Doc. <laughs> it, Ricky's acting is so... Eric Freeman is so over the top. It's really just like, <laughs> balls to the wall, hamming it up, something terrible. But this is because the writer and director are at conflict, like, what they wanted him to be. Like, one of them wanted him to be this deranged, silent serial killer... Um, in a mental asylum, but then the other one wanted him to be Freddy Krueger, essentially. Wisecracking, you know, camp, over the top. And He's neither, he's just really shouting. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, um... I think actually Eric Freeman, um, it was between him and another actor, and the other actor had more... Um, acting ability essentially he was the better actor but they liked the way that eric freeman looked so they went with him yeah i mean i don't know why (laughs) fucking eyebrows we've seen another film of him in we did murder Murder weapon Weapon. that was fucking shocking featuring linnea quigley really boring yeah um, that certainly wasn't entertaining no oh that's that's the film where uh the sound guy <laughs> yeah. is like in the middle of the living room <laughs> in the middle of quite the living a room. while <laughs> and still being filmed is that uh david do is it david dakota i think it was yeah uh, i don't know how to pronounce his surname unfortunately but, um, but i mean yeah. he's he's a gay trash icon in his own right He's made some shit. But oh my god, he's, he's made a lot of shit. He has. A, I don't think I've enjoyed. We've watched a few of his films. I don't think I've enjoyed. I any watched of one that you haven't seen called Creepy Carry Six Six Six. I think that's the right name, and it's essentially guys in tight underwear like humping beds for an hour and a half. If I oh. remember right, it 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 had no real plot. It was just very homoerotic and. Honestly, I thought I'd put the wrong film on for a second, but yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll do an episode on him one day. We've I got Pride Month coming up next I, year. Yeah, so. I suppose so. Anyway, um, so the security guard bursts through the door because he thinks there's a bit of drama going on. He wiggles his finger a bit at Ricky. Yeah, there's a bit more staring and finger wag. He gets shouted at by Dr. Bloom. Um, and then we're given our first flashback. Dr. Bloom asks, who killed your parents? Santa Claus. Santa Claus. <laughs> and our first flashback. To uh, the car journey to go and see the creepy grandfather in the first film. Yeah, but no, like, the creepy grandparent part might have actually been quite interesting to have in here. Yeah. Um, grandparent, grandpa. Um, but we don't get that. We get the dr- We get the drive there. 
And the drive back. And then back. we get the drive back. And Ricky's a baby at this point, and he says, you know, Billy told him everything, but there's a lot in this film where it's like, okay, even Billy didn't know this shit. Yeah. So, car journey back. If you haven't seen the first film, then uh, they run they run into a Santa Claus whose car's broke down. Uh, he sexually assaults the mum, murders the dad, and uh, doesn't kill the baby. No, there's a bit of narration from... Uh, um Ricky at this point. I don't know what made yeah, them stop. all the flashbacks are basically with Ricky commentary. Yeah, yeah. He goes, I don't know what made them stop. Actually, I do know. <laughs> okay, thanks for that. So... <laughs> he didn't actually say why. No. I, think, uh, I don't... Well, Doc questions uh, how Ricky can remember this, and he replies, because I was there. Yeah. And he says, I don't like your attitude, Bloom. <laughs> yeah. He just has these little random outbursts. Yeah. Well, he has these little random outbursts at, uh, at Dr. Bloom. Just, like, <laughs> out of nowhere. I mean, I get he's supposed to be psychotic, but... <laughs> but also, they say that uh, Bloom is the 13th psychotic. The 13th, yeah. But why are they going through this shit again? <laughs> sure, sure. Because it's not like he's trying to hide anything. He's just telling him the whole story. Yeah. So what, you know... What makes Doc... Why is Dr. Bloom not just using other people's notes? Oh, no, yeah. Why does he have to listen to this shit? He must be... No wonder he's so aggressive. He's been having to tell this story 13 fucking times. <laughs> Imagine watching this film 13 uh, times. I, I've probably watched it tripled up. I've watched it a lot of times. Okay. <laughs> it's, I, I'm pretty sure... This, yeah, this is the first year in a long time where I've watched the first film. Normally, I just watch this. Really? And don't bother watching the first one. Well, what do you need to? You've got everything you need in this one. And then you get all the trashes along with it. Okay. But, um, yeah, so flashback number two. We get the orphanage and Billy with his mullet. Yes, Billy and his strong mullet. Drawing uh, drawing his parents dying and getting a tallin off. Yeah, drawing a violent picture of Santa Claus <laughs> murdering people. And then, we get the real crime in this film. He puts on his fucking white boots. Looks like he's stolen from Dolly Parton. Uh, and he takes a shitty mullet and goes and watches a couple having sex. Yeah, so what, a keyhole. I, what I've noticed, because this... I, I'm not even sure if this part's even necessary. It's not. Because this has absolutely nothing to do with Ricky. No. Um, so, this is... A, and this is what I truly believe, is that... Uh, a, quite a few of the flashbacks in this film are simply because they're the parts of the first film that show tits. Yeah. Um, so every moment from the first film where, nudity. where there was nudity is in this film as a flashback. Yeah, even absolutely unnecessarily. no reason. I think it's just so they get a few tits on the screen, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Well, they, we see this uh, really high-intensity high sex scene um, with a bit of nipple grabbing and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Mother Superior storms away through and she sh- <laughs> She storms away through and she shouts, Filthy devil, you'll pay for this. And the reaction from the couple is so funny. It it's like, <gasps> <gasps> It's so dramatic. She starts whipping on with the bow and uh, next minute Billy's outside and then he gets uh, a good spanking from Mother Superior for it watching is. them. Because he 
Whoa. Yeah. Naughty. It's edited in time. Uh, th- this shot is edited um, to have Ricky and the spanking talk uh, happening within the same amount of time as each other. Mm-hmm. So Ricky's like, he was naughty. But within, in the space of him saying that, you see Billy getting whipped. So, yeah. Funny choice of uh, editing there. <laughs> um, Ricky feels sorry for shrink number 13, we're told. And then he tells him he doesn't sleep. Yeah. But you know who does sleep? <laughs> well, well, the doctor's like, do you do you uh, have dreams? Um, I'm going to get these names confused for a while. Billy and Ricky. But he says, do you have dreams, Ricky? I don't sleep. Billy had dreams, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, really? And then we go to Billy having a dream. Flashback number three. We get mullet Billy tied to a bed for having nightmares. And then we get to see Mollet Billy on Christmas Day punching Santa. Where you get a very, very amusing scene of uh, him hiding in his room from Mother Superior. She enters, you don't see her. All you hear is, William! She <laughs> <laughs> does say that. <laughs> she does say that. In that exact voice. So, <laughs> the tape runs out. <laughs> You okay there? Yeah. That is exactly how she says it. <laughs> I can only imagine what punishment went down after that. Oh. Apparently only Ricky could hear him screaming, no one else. Mm. Um, the tape runs out and then we get flashback number four. <laughs> Billy working as Santa in a toy store. Now this did cut out a very lovely festive musical sequence didn't it from the first film the one that we really we've really enjoyed is the one side of the door <laughs> the montage <laughs> um youtube it it is on youtube uh yeah, one side it. of the door silent night deadly night which is just a montage of billy starting his new job <laughs> and it's just really cheesy uh the song's really cheesy <laughs> And it just, it's so out of place in a horror film. <laughs> really weird. Um. We're not fortunate enough to get it in this film. No. But we do get Billy working as Santa um, and uh, having a little girl sat on his lap and he's like, you're being very naughty. And the parents are like, he's so good. He's such a good Santa Claus. Um, and then uh, we get their works Christmas party where uh, two people are being naughty. Aren't they? Well, they? Wow. Well, one person's being naughty. This is this weird part, is that um, from the if you've watched the first film, it's Billy's crush and the, the, uh, a colleague who's a bit of a knobhead, uh, they go to the back uh, for a good time. Um, she changes her mind and the, the guy gets very aggressive with her and, and starts assaulting her, uh, rips her top open. Um, which gives Billy flashbacks to his mother and her death at the beginning of the film. And so he strangles the would-be rapist. Um, obviously, it's super strength. And you'll find out super strength <laughs> runs through the family. Uh, <laughs> strangles him. And then she, like, turns on him. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird one. She's so pissed off because she's he saved her life. Absolutely fuming. So it is. It's one. Maybe he took it too far. 
Um, but I do, I do find it a bit strange how she reacted to it. But yeah, so Billy tells uh, tells them both to be naughty, and uh, and then his drunk manager goes looking for him. He gets killed off screen, and then the remaining office worker runs around shouting, "Mr. Sams, <laughs> Mr. Sams." Uh, Mr. Sims being the manager who's now dead. Uh, she kind of looks like Nutty Holder in drag. She's just a little, she also looks a little like um, Rhea Perlman. Yeah. From? Cheers. Oh, okay. And Matilda. Yeah. Well, she doesn't look like anyone now. She got murdered. Yeah, she gets with an arrow. With a arrow. <laughs> and then we're back with Ricky. <laughs> and Ricky says, but it wasn't his fault. It was that bitch superior. <laughs> Which I don't get. Do you know who gets away scot-free? <laughs> the guy who killed his family at the beginning. I know. There's no mention of it. that was the catalyst. He holds up a petrol station before that. He, he's a criminal. Yeah. Surely that was the catalyst for them both becoming insane. Yeah. Rather than... But I, and I know Mother Superior, her ways were quite harsh. Um, but surely it was the... You know, parents being murdered at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, there's no Billy. investigation into that. No one gives a shit. Well, yeah. I, I do, is there ever a... So-and-so got arrested? No, there's so, nothing. There's absolutely no. nothing. It doesn't make any sort of sense. I, I, I don't... Yeah, that's always been a puzzler to me, even with the first film, because, you know, any other film where that happens, the big chunk of the film would be find out who did it. Mm. You know, maybe instead of having Billy going around killing everyone because he's reminded of what happened, how about having him go and look for the killer or something like that? Because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the original film was always a um, and a, a, a kind of attack on the, the Catholic Church, to be fair. So it always was going to be the mother superior who was seen as the bad guy in it, even though she wasn't the one going around murdering people. Yeah. And she has paid out to be a bit of a bitch. Oh, she Oh, no, she's a massive bitch in both films. Should we mention as well that the first film was actually um, very popular because of the controversy surrounding it? Um, yeah, it um, it did better than... I mean, opening weekend, it did better than Nightmare on Elm Street because yeah. they were released at the same time. The imagery of Santa Claus being a serial killer, it just sparked something and people were fuming. Yeah, but the filmmakers were really shocked because it wasn't actually the first time that happened. No, Tales from the Crypt did it ten years earlier, um, the British Tales from the Crypt film, with the first segment. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is a little strange that this got more attention. Mm. I'm not I'm not 100% sure why this, I mean, this I don't is know. the one that got the, all the attention. It, it may have been because slasher films were a lot more popular then, because obviously you'd already had Friday the 13th and Halloween by that stage, so... Wasn't Christmas Evil, was that I earlier? Yeah, I suppose... I was don't... that Santa as a serial killer? I'm not sure. I don't think that was as... Well known as this, though. No, was I suppose a little more... it wasn't. I suppose this this one would have had a wide release. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting that the first film had this massive controversy surrounding it. And, you know, like I said, it wasn't a terrible film. And then this happened. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so 
Doc lights his pipe up after, uh, whilst Ricky tells him that uh, it's all that bitch superior's fault. Flashback number five, we get Linnea Quigley getting it on. Um, and then we get the famous antlers death scene. Yeah, yeah, that was a nice little nod, I'm assuming, to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, I guess so. But and, and again, I'm not even sure why this scene was included yeah. in it, um, except for the fact that Linnea Quigley's boobs are out. Uh-huh. Then her boyfriend gets killed. Uh, flashback number six. We get the police finding the wrong Santa. This one certainly wasn't necessary. Billy does not know this happened. How? How? Like, it's essentially a scene from the first film where cops are driving through um, the town looking for this killer Santa Claus. And they see a Santa Claus climbing through a window. They burst into this house. And it uh, turns out it's just someone's dad pretending to be Santa. Yeah. And they're like... Daddy! And then Ricky says, Daddy almost got his present early. <laughs> and this this is... And I, I know you, you have to suspend some belief when you watch a film like this. Um, you know, it's not trying to be great art. It's not, you know, trying to be Oscar worthy. So you watch it to be entertained in a certain kind of way. But when you have so much of this <laughs> stupid plot hole or confusing timeline, it takes you away from it. Essentially, what they were trying to do was create a scary film. Yeah. That's what, you know, horror filmmakers want to do. Unless it's going to be a horror comedy, then they want to make you laugh. If you're making a horror film, you want people to be scared or feel tense or suspenseful. So when you have this confusing timeline that's all i can think about and i'm sat here and i'm like well, that makes no sense it takes me out of it so as far as i know from the film is that when ricky is you know recollecting or you know giving us the backstory of the first film all the parts at the orphanage are what Billy had told him. He said that, didn't he? Yeah. Then all the parts at the toy store, he would have known from news reports or, or whatever. You know? Mm-hmm. So then this part makes... But also, it makes no sense. It, we don't really... It doesn't need to be included. We don't really care. This part is just some random joke from the first film. They Why could have included, included well with that time that they spent showing that they could have showed either the grandpa scene yeah. or the warm side of the door montage. <laughs> yes. It would have made more sense. I mean, we get Billy decapitating a kid on his sleigh. One of my favourite death scenes from the first film. Yeah, that, that probably... It's hilarious. Yeah, that and the um, antler one. Yeah. Two quite good death Like, scenes. there's kids on sleds and... Uh, Billy just jumps out and says, punish, and decapitates him. Um, and then they're talking about where Billy was going after this, and then we get some of the best dialogue exchange in the film. Doc says, it was fairly obvious where he was going. Ricky says, oh, well, I guess we're just jerking off then. <laughs> Doc says, if you say so. Then Ricky tells him that he's good, but he could squish him like a bug. Yes. Yeah, because the superhuman strength that they have. It's true. It's a shame his parents didn't have that superhuman strength when they were killed by Santa. I was going to say, his dad was actually quite skinny, so I don't know where <laughs> they got these buff Yeah, they're, they're both really hench. Yeah. Like, they are bodybuilders. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
They love it. The dad was like super skinny. They could love it. Could be related to the PCP guy from Home Sweet Home. That's very true. <laughs> flashback number seven, the final flashback. Wrong Santa gets shot. They got a thing about finding the wrong Santas in this film, aren't they? Yeah, they show this shows way too much of the original's ending. Yeah. I the, think this could have been cut short. The deaf priest that is uh, dressed up as Santa Claus gets shot. Um, then we get Ricky's reactions. Adult Ricky. Um, the cop's death. Yeah, the cop's death with a super cut of him doing his action jumps. Yeah. He jumps around corners like he's an action hero. Um, yeah, he gets killed. And then Billy gets shot as he attempts to murder Mother Superior. And then we get the weird image of the child version of Ricky saying naughty, but it's with adult Ricky's voice. Yeah. And this marks the end of the first film. So now we're finally into the new footage. <laughs> 40 minutes into the film. Oh, God. I mean, the 40 minutes into the film, there's 40 minutes left of the film. So if you include that with the little shots of him being aggressive towards Doc, that's... About 45 minutes of new footage. Yeah. In a film that's meant to be a new film. Yeah. It's insane. So, we're then shown um, Ricky when he's 12 years old. He's adopted by the Rosenbergs. Yeah, so they closed the orphanage after the whole Billy incident. Apparently. Yeah, apparently. Uh, he's adopted by the... Who? Rosenbergs. Rosenbergs. The dad has a meaty moustache. He does, of course. Of course. Um, and we get that through some home video footage. Yeah, and then Ricky's 12 years old. He's uh, out walking around with his mum. She's about to do some shopping. She starts talking to a friend. And we get this real over-the-top organ, like, church music. Yeah. Sounds like something from The Exorcist. Uh, and we see some nuns walking towards him, towards Ricky, and he starts going, Mum, Mum. Yeah, what? I don't understand why he's got this aversion to nuns. Yeah, he's he's terrified of nuns. Even though his brother, you know, they they technically he's he's seen them as trying to protect him from his brother. Like the end of the first film, Mother Superior's getting in the way whilst his brother's trying to kill everyone. Mm. So, so surely, if he saw a Santa Claus, then that yeah, would be which we're getting to. Yeah. Like, his mum turns around, the nuns have gone in the shop. Yeah. They realise they walked in the wrong shop, it wasn't what they were looking for in there. They walk back out, the music starts again. <laughs> and uh, he starts twitching, going crazy, and uh, the shop window near where he's standing puts out a bit of red, like a red cloth or something. I don't know what it was. Mm. It just was a piece of red clothing. And yeah. uh, then he has his little fit, and... Uh, his mum's fuming at this. Takes him back to the orphanage. She's quite pissed off, actually. Yeah. It's like it's like she's been given a, a dud. <laughs> like she's <laughs> taking him back to the shop. Yeah, she's taking him back to the orphanage that's apparently closed down now. Um, and Ooh. then before... Um, <laughs> before long, we get 15-year-old Ricky. Uh, and we find out his stepdad died. Now, he says stepdad... But it but doesn't make any not. sense. It's it not his be, stepdad. It would be his adoptive parent. Yeah. So, that that's the confusing I don't know if part. there's a different understanding. I, I don't know if there's a different understanding in America of what a stepdad is. No, um, do you know what? I I, genu- I just think it was lazy writing. Yeah. And I think they made a mistake and just didn't check it. 
It's not his stepdad at it's all. Not, Both his parents are dead, so they couldn't have had. Yeah. Yeah. So, fifteen-year-old Ricky, played by a twenty-four-year-old actor, you can fucking tell. And <laughs> the funny piece of dialogue is, um, so it's about five years later when his stepdad dies, and he goes, and guess what? It hit me hard. <laughs> Yeah, your dad just died. Well, he said, you tend to get paranoid when everyone around you gets dead. Gets dead. <laughs> he, word. he also says, I've never told anyone this before. Doc says, let it out. And he says, here it comes. <laughs> and then... Um, I don't know why he hasn't told anyone this part before. Well, it might shock you because we've not seen this already. But Ricky witnesses some sexual assault. <laughs> the third rape scene in this film. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, and uh, he gets a little annoyed by this, of course. And um, Well, he used to go for walks. And he says that I used to go for walks where he would just walk. Yeah. And that, which I, I thought that was the secret he was letting out, is that he used to enjoy <laughs> going for hikes. <laughs> um, but he, he's one day he's in a woods... And he's by a field and there's a couple on the grass, isn't there? Yeah. Having a little picnic and a few beers. And essentially the man forces himself on the woman. She's she's a bit... He's like, oh, I don't want you to... Um, I'm not going to do anything if you don't tell me you want me to do anything. And she says, oh, yes, I want you to. But not now. But not now. So then he gets really aggressive and starts assaulting her. But she says that he's only allowed to do it around their friends. Well, no, she said, oh, this stuff around your friends is funny, but here it's not. Yeah, so, when is that ever funny, him trying to force himself on you? Yeah. Um, but then he's really going for it, isn't he? Yeah. And she, I think she gives him a, a swift kick in the testicles. And um, he goes off to grab some more beers. <laughs> and Ricky's in his car. He says, naughty. And then he runs him over multiple times. Yeah, this is a really awkward scene. <laughs> where the, the sort of truck's just going forward and backward, like loads. But you're not hearing anything. No. You're not hearing the guy screaming. <laughs> you're not... It's not... It's not like the truck looks like it's going over a bump. It's just going backwards and forwards, and we're meant to assume that this dude's underneath, and then we just see his bloody hand flop at the end. Yeah. And this isn't a probably worst death scene, really. You think? And the, yeah, I'd say so. The victim uh, of the sexual assault walks up to Ricky, and I think this is them trying to make up for the first film. The reaction that Billy got, she goes, "Thank you," and that's it. Yeah. So she was happy that he saved her. Um. And then we get one of my favourite lines of dialogue in the film. We see Doc's notebook, and it says red car. Then we get a close-up of Doc's face. Ricky appears out of nowhere, goes straight up to him, and he says, red car, good point. <laughs> How is that a good point, though? It's Why not a good point. The red car? Was it red? Was the car red? The, the truck was red, yeah, no, it was. <laughs> but what, what does that even... Why is he... <laughs> Why has he, like, made that such a big deal? I don't even care. I'm just so glad he said it. <laughs> well, Ricky then starts uh, questioning Doc about his personal life. Doc gets a little annoyed. 
And then... Yeah, he does. At the beginning, he's, like, answering fine. And yeah. And suddenly he's, like, really pissed off. Well, we then showed 18-year-old Ricky. Why the fuck didn't he need two different actors for 15 and 18? Mm. Mm. Like, so 18-year-old Ricky is Eric Freeman, who was clearly not fucking 18. Quite clearly 35. <laughs> so 18-year-old Ricky's working at a restaurant. Um, yeah, because 15-year-old Ricky is only in one scene. Yeah, he's in one scene. There was no point to get in another actor. Because, I mean, it's not like Eric Freeman looks 18 anyway. So just get him to do the 15-year-old one. I'm it won't look sure ridiculous. I'm not sure there was a point to that scene, if I'm being no. honest. No, they just needed another sexual assault scene. Yeah. For no reason. It's like, yeah, we get it. They watched their parents, like, murdered. The mum was sexually assaulted. We get it. You don't have to show us three fucking times. So, 18-year-old Ricky's taking the trash out of the restaurant where he's working. And apparently it sounded like some squirrel getting his nuts squeezed. What's that even mean? I have no idea. He finds a guy being beaten up out back. And uh, he handles this by grabbing the guy that was beating the other guy up. Throws him in the air through super strength. And then, in one of the most bizarre kills I've seen, he proceeds to get an umbrella, lift it to this guy's chest, <laughs> shoves it through his body, and then opens the umbrella. <laughs> How the fuck did he manage that? Why was this umbrella sharp enough to go through someone's chest? Yeah, yeah. It, it makes no sense. He suddenly turns into the Terminator at this point. <laughs> Pulling his stupid face in the meantime whilst he's of doing course. it. Of <laughs> course. This makes Doc start sweating a bit. He does start sweating, doesn't he? He, he really starts worrying. He's, he's getting well nervous. He's never heard about this before. Um, then there's some so more. What, and this is the part where I'm like, so you've been through 13 psychiatrists. Uh-huh. And he's kept these two stories behind for a special occasion. <laughs> yeah. Because... You know, he is a murderer, so why, why would he be hiding these two stories? He seems quite proud of them. I don't even get what he's still being questioned for. Yeah, I like, don't know why. After 13 of them, you know, there's no point. Just, it is what it is. He's a serial killer. Just leave him there. Just yeah. Lock him up. Um, so there's a weird dialogue exchange where the kids just keep saying random shit really fast, and then the sound editing in the scene's really bad. Mm. Um... And then Doc says, tell me about Jennifer. Ricky says, eat shit. But then starts to tell him about <laughs> and Jennifer. And starts to tell him about Jennifer. As <laughs> soon as he sees a picture of her, he says, that's the only woman he's ever loved, the only person he's ever met anything to him. <laughs> no, it's... Doc's like, Richard, do you know why you were here? And he goes, no, you tell me. And he goes, no, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody fucking tell me why we're watching this shit. <laughs> so, um... One day, they just bumped into each other. Literally. <laughs> she knocked him over on his motorbike to the ground in a rather funny scene and then laughs at him. Yeah. And he falls in love with her. And that's the beginning of true love. We get a sex scene of Ricky losing his virginity. Really <laughs> <Yeah>. important. <laughs> like a really awkward sex scene. Very awkward. Well. They're so close up. Their genitals must have been touching, those two actors. A really close. Really close. Well. But 
when you first see him, it looks like he's scared to touch her ass. Yeah. His hand's like really far away from it, but everything else is really close up. <laughs> so it's literally introduction and then the sex scene. That's it. <laughs> so this is this is a bit like the room, to be fair. Yeah. We then we get the worst fake cinema ever. It's clearly someone's living room. Yeah, this looks really, really cheap, this cinema. <laughs> Um, they're watching the trailer for Chaos, the latest action film. Uh, and then there's arseholes at the back of the cinema who I've wrote down are a good example of everything that's wrong with modern cinema. Yeah. When you go to the cinema these days, if you want to watch a horror film, you get people like these two guys in the cinema. Yeah. Constantly making noise, taking the piss out of whatever's on screen, shouting things at the people. It's honestly, it was some foreshadowing on Silent Night, Deadly Night 2's behalf. They probably had them throughout history, to be fair. Some dickheads at the back. Oh, they're, they they're so obnoxious. Yeah. Like, they're throwing popcorn, they're singing along to the studio themes of the trailers. It's... Yeah. And what film are they watching, Gary? Well, first of all, they're watching a trailer for Chaos, but yeah. then, before the film starts, Ricky and Jennifer start to have a kiss, and then they start shouting homophobic slurs at him, uh, and uh, start mocking them for going to kiss. And uh, then Ricky wants to know what the film's about. And Jennifer tells him it's about a girl who dresses up as Santa and kills people, to which Ricky replies, What? (laughs) And we get footage from the first film again! (laughs) We get footage of the criminal that killed his parents. That's the film they're watching. They're watching Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 1. They are. As if we hadn't seen enough footage from that fucking film already. I don't... (laughs) They could have just made something up. They had a Santa suit on set. Yeah. Quickly film something. It doesn't have to be detailed. You didn't have to show any of them. No. Film. You could have just made that. In fairness, they could have just made the joke about it's a guy dressed in a Santa suit and kills people. Yeah. Joke over. Not more fucking footage from the first film. This triggers Ricky, of course. He is triggered. Um, and he says, punish. And then he sneaks off. And then... Yeah, he just pisses off for a while, doesn't Yeah. He? We are given a character more obnoxious than every character we've ever spoke about in this podcast put together. Chip. Is he more obnoxious than Mistake? I... Oh, home, that's a tough one. That could be related. It's a close tie. I mean, even Jennifer, she agrees, because straight away, she, she says, She's not a fan. Chip, yuck. Yeah, <laughs> not a fan. Yeah, that's her ex. Her so ex-boyfriend, Chip. Chip. He pops up out of nowhere. Wants to be Sting. Yeah, he's the love child of Ian Beale and Sting. <laughs> um, UK audiences will know who Ian Beale is. <laughs> yeah, and Chip's a piece of shit. Yeah, so he's just being really obnoxious, reminding Jennifer of when they shagged in the back of his car. He's got stupid blonde hair. It's really bad, really bad. It doesn't suit his face. No. Um, so I don't know if he's meant to be some suave, sexy guy. Well, apparently, he ruined Jennifer's best sweater. What do you yeah. think he did? Probably ripped it. And probably, uh, I think what? he jizzed on it. I, I, ew. Um... There's too much clothes ripping in these films. So he probably just ripped it. Oh, God, yeah. There is a lot of clothes ripping in these films. I I still think he used it as a cum rag. (laughs) So, (laughs) 
He then proceeds to call Ricky Kong. Mm-hmm. Said, oh, you're with Kong. As he house trained. And, uh, and then the meter's running. By the meter, we mean Roxanne. Oh, yeah, because his chip's actually there with a date. Called Roxanne. And uh, Jennifer's like, uh, you better go, your meter's running. And then just looks at her and is like, oh, you sassy bitch. But Roxanne's fuming. She's just standing around in the cinema staring at him. And uh, he walks off. I'm, I'm pretty sure the film's going on at this point. Oh, the film's still going on. Hanging around. Yes. Yeah. They were moaned about the guys at the back being obnoxious. Yeah. But like they're talking at normal volume about their relationship. And uh, yeah. So um, then we get Ricky sneak off to the back of the cinema. Uh, to the annoying guys. And we get this really weird shot that I, I can't believe this film wasn't meant to be comedic mm. especially with this scene yeah like the guys at the back he talks to his friend who also has a meaty moustache and he's talking about the film he moves away he goes back he moves away he goes back again and then Ricky's there instead of that guy yeah and then he kills him and I don't even know how he kills him you just see this guy's legs in the air and popcorn yeah, flying everywhere yeah it's very slapstick kind of way isn't it yeah very sort of Looney Tunes he goes back to uh, Jennifer. She wants to leave, but no. Ricky's beginning to like this picture. Why? He hasn't seen fuck all of it. <laughs> so they're out having a romantic walk, and they're bumping yeah, so the chip. Yeah, so it suddenly goes to them having a, a romantic walk in in the sun. It's a sunny day, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, at, at Christmas. Yeah, so a, a little of this film is set around Christmas. So a, a little of... The actual... The final film. ten minutes are set at Christmas, basically. Yeah, yeah. So they're going for a walk. They bump into Chip. Chip starts being his usual self. Really uh, obnoxious. Starts talking about when he fucked Jennifer's brains out in the back of Old Red. <laughs> He's yeah. named his car Red. Because that's the type of person he is. Oh, Red Car. Good point. <laughs> so Ricky electrocutes Chip. Um, because because he pushes Jennifer over yeah he pushes Jennifer over and starts laughing about her falling for him again (laughs) so obviously you know Terminator grabs him by the neck pulls a stupid face pulls a stupid face of course and proceeds to like clamp some cables from his (laughs) car battery onto his tongue yeah and we this is quite an infamous kill, actually, as well, in this film. Because it's quite clearly a dummy's head. Uh-huh. That looks a bit like Bridget Nielsen. <laughs> and he's got sunglasses. I don't know I don't know if they deliberately put, made him put sunglasses on. I think on they did. Because, like, the eyes of the dummy looked shit. Yeah. Um, so he, he'd randomly put on sunglasses right before <laughs> this happens. And the, there's the sort of fake electricity... Um, special effect, isn't there? Yeah. And then his eyes explode. <laughs> and that's the end of Chip. Thank God. But then Jennifer is fuming about this. Even though she hated Chip, she now hates Ricky. That, yeah, in fairness, I do understand where Jennifer's coming from with this one. Because it's not like... They could have just walked away. <laughs> well, no, I'm not sure about that. Well, it could have, really. You just pushed her over. It could have been like, okay, that's really out of order or whatever. I had a little argument. 
He's not to fucking electrocute him. Oh, no, of course. No, that's what I mean. Jen- Jennifer, understandably, is horrified at what she's just watched. Yeah. Um, and starts having a go at him, <laughs> saying she hates him. He then takes the aerial off the car. He does. He shouts, punish. And she says, uh-oh. She, she literally <laughs> And you hear a gulp. She's like, uh-oh. literally just, uh-oh. <laughs> and then she gets strangled with the antenna of the car. Whilst he crosses his eyes. Yeah. To, uh, you know, emphasise on how angry he is. And this is where Ricky's flipped now. So this is the yeah. moment where he's gone all out insane. Within one minute, he kills Chip strangles Jennifer and the police turn up. Yes. The police turn up. Well, no, there's a random police officer, isn't there, nearby? Yeah. He turns up and uh, he's like, let's be real civilised about this. Yeah, so this police officer does not follow any (laughs) police procedure when it comes to someone holding... uh, Well, no, he wasn't even holding a gun. No, he wasn't. The police officer was holding the gun. Yeah. So... What the police officer should have done was told Ricky to get on the floor. Yeah. Uh, with his hands behind his back. What the police officer actually did was go closer and closer and closer to Pointing Ricky, the gun at him. Pointing the gun at him. And then like, he tells him, I know how to use this. Uh, okay, right. Th- then why are you not using it then? Yeah. So then Ricky grabs the gun... <laughs> Turns it on the police officer and the police the officer most, gets, sh- yeah, he gets shot, shot in the head. In, with the most fake dummy you'll ever see. It's It looks so stupid. Oh, wasn't it? Sh- what, was it more stupid than the... Uh, chip. Chip. Yeah. Bridget Nielsen. Well, you think you see it? When you got the hole in his head. Yeah. It, no, I did see it. It looked ridiculous. Uh, and then this causes Ricky to gain a uh, new laugh. Which you'll hear throughout the rest of the film. He shoots the cop and then he's like, ha 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 ha. Yeah. And then his rampage really begins. There were some iffy acting choices in this <laughs> film. Um, the most obvious one is the use of eyebrows to convey <laughs> any emotion. Oh yeah, throughout all the quotes we're giving you, every time Ricky speaks, he moves his eyebrows up and down. Yeah. Uh, but then also it's the use of this maniacal laugh to demonstrate Ricky becoming insane. Yeah, pretty much. And the overuse of it mm-hmm. constantly throughout the rest of the film. Yeah, uh, he goes to some guy walking out of his front door, shoots him and calls him a motherfucker. Yes. And then this is the iconic scene. This is the moment. He walks up to a guy taking the trash out, shouts, garbage day, with his eyebrows moving up and down. The other guy's like, what, what? And he shoots him in slow motion. Yeah. Spins the gun around and goes, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. This, this is... That's the scene that broke the internet. Awful act. Like, really bad acting. The way he says garbage day, you know, it's a shit line to begin with. (laughs) But the delivery is... Even worse. Yeah. Um, hamming it up to the max. What I don't understand is... So the blonde guy that initially gets shot after the police officer comes out to investigate the commotion and yeah. the noise. It's not too far away from the bloke that's no. taking out. It's rubbish. <laughs> 
So I don't know what the garbage day guy was doing, but he certainly weren't taking any notice of the two bullets, <laughs> the two shots that he should have heard. But he's still there taking. Oh, this is trash. a great time to take the trash out. <laughs> yeah. And then he's so shocked when he gets killed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that's the iconic moment. Ricky Dan bumps into a little girl, lets her live for some reason. Because she's polite. Yes, excuse me. He's like, that's okay. Yeah, she's not naughty. But then he sees a car coming towards but, but him. But then the other two people that were just minding their, own, mind their business, own business. yeah. The police officer was trying to stop someone <laughs> from, you know, people from dying. <laughs> but this little girl's fine because she apologised. Well, he sees a car um, coming towards him. Just drive him, you know, he's the one who's in the way. He shoots the car, says, bingo! And then the car explodes, flips on its side and explodes. That's where your 100,000 budget went. It was, actually, to be fair, because it flips on its side, drives incredibly close to him. <laughs> so that was some good stunt driving there. It kind of looks like Carrie. Yes. When John Travolta oh my God, it does, actually. <laughs> Yeah, and then the car flips and explodes. Um, because every car that ever flips explodes. Um, it's true. In films. Ricky, Ricky walks around for a bit laughing to himself, looking at the gun, he admiring does. it. And then he bumps into the police and they're surrounding him. He puts the gun to his head and they say, Don't do it! Don't be a fool! Don't kill yourself! <laughs> we find out Ricky's run out of bullets. He has run out of bullets. And then, that's it for flashbacks. We're back to present day, and this is where we'll stay for the rest of the film. Ricky's killed Doc by strangling him with some tape, and then he just walks out of the asylum. Yeah, yeah. Just walks out, no struggle. No one else there. Yeah. Clearly, Doc was the only person on shift that night. Um, so, he, yeah, he's killed. And um, isn't it the nun? Yeah, Sister Mary... She uh, she's talking with the staff at the asylum, even though you know the staff were about when Ricky walked right out there. I know, yeah. Um, the staff appear. She's there to give us a bit of exposition about Mother Superior and where she is these days. Turns out she's had a stroke, which is very important to remember in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, then Ricky kills a Santa Claus. Yeah. So it, it, essentially, they the mother mother Mary, uh, <laughs> sister Mary. Um, and the cops, they suspect that he's going to go kill Mother Superior. Yeah. Um, but they say, oh, well, we're not even sure. How would he even know how to get to her? How does he even know where she lives? The orphanage is closed. (laughs) How How would he even know where to find her? He's been in this asylum for I don't know how long. Um, she's had a stroke and moved away. Um, so, apparently he does, though. Apparently he does know how to get to her. Uh Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, he, uh, goes to a phone box, steals this guy's Santa suit who he kills, uh, goes to a phone box and proceeds to prank call Mother Superior. Yeah, knows her phone number as well. It's incredible. Yeah, he, uh, calls her up and, uh, he says, Santa's back! (laughs) He puts does. the phone down. <laughs> he does. And then we get to see Mother Superior, who has tragically had a stroke, 
which has somehow turned it into the thing from Fantastic Four. She has a rock face now. Yeah, she looks like two um, two face, doesn't it? Is it? Yeah, it, no, it, she genuinely looks like the rock um, creature, the thing from Fantastic Four. Yeah, but only half a face. Only half a face. I don't know if the director of this film has ever seen someone who's had a stroke. They do not look like their face has been mutated. No, no. What the fuck was the purpose to this? This is probably because they didn't get the uh, original actress back. Well, that and because she looks the exact same age as the original actress did the first film. She hasn't actually aged. She hasn't aged at all. So, like, okay, let's make her face look like shit. Um... So, she's watching TV, giving us a little commentary on what she's watching. And then, uh, Ricky turns up at the uh, house, and uh, her door number is 666. It is 666. Conveniently. <laughs> Surely she, she would be like, nah, no, I, I shouldn't be living here. <laughs> uh, Ricky breaks through the door with an axe, and he says, Mother Superior! He's I've doing got his a best, present for you. Doing his best, Jack Torrance. Yes. This this is this scene is pretty much a complete rip off of uh, oh, Shining. It's very. It's a cat and mouse chase, and it's so fucking funny. It's considering she's of an of an age, <laughs> you know, and she's had a stroke that has left her in a wheelchair, and half of her face has been mangled. <laughs> um, she's actually. Rather agile. Yeah. He he goes upstairs, starts breaking through another door. Get, um, whenever he's talking, all you can see is his eyebrows moving through the door. It's fucking oh, great. Oh, God. And she's trying to stop him from getting in. She eventually gives up and gets away a bit. And he's like, uh, oh, good. I love a chase. Uh, smashes up the TV. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> He follows her a little more and they get to the stairs and uh, he's about to cut her up and she throws herself down the stairs. Yes. This woman who now must be in her... She must be in her 80s. Yeah. And again, had a stroke in a wheelchair. <laughs> throws herself down these stairs. I am being funny. She should have been dead. From yeah. She, she really... I mean, you know, we've all had... Well, I mean, we all know older people, and when they have a fall, and I, I know I'm maybe looking too much into it, but when they've had a fall, you know, they they get really hurt. Yeah. Even just minor falls. And she's thrown herself down the fucking stairs. <laughs> she, can't, she can't walk anyway. She's had a stroke. She should be dead. That should have been, that should have been it at the end. Mm-hmm. But, conveniently... At the bottom of the stairs, there's another wheelchair. There is. Another wheelchair appears. Just in case. So. <laughs> also, she's in a wheelchair. Why the fuck has her home got stairs? It's true. How did she get up and down those stairs? Also, the other wheelchair was not there when he walked through. No. But it's conveniently placed there for her. She gets into it. Uh, she goes into the kitchen, grabs a knife, and then she starts taunting him. It's like, yeah, this is, uh, this is a good thing to do. He's like, Ricky... You piece of shit. Come here. Starts talking about his about Billy and uh, he walks in. He says, you're looking well. So, she's not though, is she? Can I, can I just You've got a lot to say interject. about this bit, haven't you? I don't understand 
how the fuck she knows who he is. <laughs> it's true. She hasn't seen him since he was 10 years old. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. When the orphanage closed. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he's gone through two different faces since then. Because when he was 15, he looked completely different. And when he turned 18, he looked completely <laughs> fucking different. He looks fuck all like he did when he was younger. <laughs> and also, again, I must stress this, you know, because it's a very real thing and a very serious thing, is that this old woman has had a fucking stroke. <laughs> she should not know who this bloke no. is. She really shouldn't recognise him. It's incredible. The, no, it, it's it's bizarre. Yeah. She she should, there should have been some way of him introducing himself and her being, oh, you know, it's Billy's brother. Yeah. But just, no, she just, she recognises him eight, you know, how many years later? It was the eyebrows, obviously. Like ten years later? The eyebrows travelled through all the years. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's shit like that that annoys me in these films. <laughs> it really is. Because you have to suspend so much belief, and it to me it's just very lazy writing. But they were given like a hundred thousand dollars to make a film. Yeah. And they couldn't be bothered to uh, work the shit out. Yeah, <laughs> it 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 generally annoys me. But anyway, sorry. Ran she over. announces, "I am your mother superior, and you have been very naughty." <laughs> and he says, "Naughty this." We see him lift his axe up and it cuts to the police. Pulling up outside. Um, Sister Mary goes to goes to Mother Superior. Gives her a little shake and her head falls off. <laughs> yeah. But as Sister Mary falls down, Ricky's revealed behind her with his axe. Lifts it up. And in a rather bizarre move, he shouts, Moo! I don't get that. He starts mooing like a cow. Why are you mooing? <laughs> My moo. It's <laughs> <coughs> yeah, he, he moves at him and gets shot out the window. So yeah, yeah, he falls out the window, doesn't he? Yeah, Sister Mary uh, notices that she's fell over next to Mother Superior's head and gives us a scream. And Ricky, who you think's dead, smiles and opens oh, his eyes. I fucking hate that at the end of the horror films. I genuinely do hate when you know someone has been shot <laughs> you fell through a fucking window you know what why that it's just such a shitty cheap gag okay it is the same film where someone got murdered with an umbrella yeah that's so true. i don't know what you're expecting yeah but so <laughs> many horror films do it it's really annoying hey, but that's not the ending shot though to finish the film we get a hand with a knife going towards yeah. the screen so don't know who that belongs to. I don't know. And then there's uh, ten minutes of credits because I needed to pad out the run time. <laughs> <laughs> there is ten minutes of credits. Yeah, because, because they give the credits for the first film as well, don't yeah. they? <laughs> and that's Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. That is Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. What a film. What a franchise. I went, I've only watched the first two. Yeah, part three is abysmal. It's not even entertaining. I've heard that part three is actually the worst one, not yeah, this one. it is. Because Which this, is a mean feat. <laughs> this is 
so bad it's good. It's entertaining. It's so rewatchable because of how funny it is. Part three is so bad it's bad. It's awful. So, so trashy. It's, yeah, there's, I think there's more flashbacks in it if I remember right. To oh. both first and second film. Oh my God. Bill Mosley plays uh, Ricky and yeah, it's just shit. Part four isn't much better. Part five I think was actually quite entertaining. but uh, Is that the one with Mickey Rooney? I think he's in four and five if I remember right. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, the, the thing is, <laughs> Mickey Rooney, the guy who wrote a letter complaining about the first film... Um, because of the morals of it and, you know, Killer Santa Claus and then started starring two of the sequels. Well, I think he was tricked, actually. I think the story is he thought he was making a film just called The Toy Maker. <laughs> and then it was released and turns out it was Silent Night, Deadly Night, The Toy Maker. <laughs> Mickey Rooney, the guy who found a problem with having a Killer Santa Claus... But didn't find a problem with playing an Asian guy in Don't Breakfast at Tiffany's. even mention that that's, yeah. He needs to seriously look at his, uh, at his morals there. Yeah, in fairness, he did say he greatly regretted <laughs> taking the, the role of a horrifically stereotypical Japanese man in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. It would, yeah, classic film, but Jesus Christ. But yeah. What a sign of the times. Anyway, we're not talking about Breakfast at yeah, Tiffany's. But, um... We might do in the future. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Silent Night, Dead Night Part 2. I love it. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I've got to write films by the, uh... by the filmmaking. But, it, you know, on Letterboxd, it gives you the option to have a love heart. And any films that are so bad they're good, I give them a love heart. It deserves it. It's... It's just so fun. It's so fun to watch. It's, it's awful, but it, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's so it's, quotable. It's funny to watch, and it is quotable. Uh, it's a very silly film. Um, it's a stupid film as well. And it's fair. loved by many. It's got a massive cult following. Yeah. If, you have to suspend your belief, and you have to sort of be like, okay, this is fluff, so I'm going to watch it and not think about it too much. So don't, just don't write notes for a podcast about it. Yeah. (laughs) And then you might not be frustrated about all the fucking errors in it. And again, don't even need to watch the first film. No, no. (laughs) Got it all in one. Do you know what? It saves you time. Just skip to the (laughs) second one. Yeah, we highly recommend it. Go and check it out. Oh yeah, it's got to be watched at least once. So, that's our last film of the year. And what a first year it's been for the podcast. I mean, we've been doing this since September. Uh, this is our 18th episode. And, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a great year for us. We've really had so much great feedback. Made some new friends along the way, obviously, you know. Movies so bad, they're good. Um, they're always really nice to us. Uh, and, you know, many other listeners as well who have always said nothing but nice things to us. And, yeah, it's great. It really is nice to know that something that we weren't too sure about, you know, we put off doing this for so long mm. we didn't know if anyone would actually listen to it and like it you know the reaction we've got is just great we, we couldn't have asked for a better reaction yeah so yeah that's uh i guess that's our way of saying thanks so yes thank you thanks for giving us time of day and keep listening because you know we've got so much to come we've we've scheduled so much for next year we've got so much uh in the pipeline 
And next week, we'll be doing our end of year episode. So we'll be talking about our favourite films from this year, our least favourite films from this year. Mainly focusing on horror, but we will mention, you know, other films we've enjoyed as well. Yeah, a little uh, rundown of 2019. Yeah. Uh, what, what date, what's a week away? Um, so it will be on New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, so that'll be our last yeah. podcast of the year. It will be. So released on New Year's Eve, best and worst of the year. And then the week after that, we'll be talking about what we're excited about uh, coming in 2020. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think we'll talk a little more, not just horror. I think a little bit of everything. Yeah. I'd like to. Yeah, there'll be no... Well, other than our, you know, top tens, there'll be no other notes. It'll just be us talking. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. So, if you are listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It all helps out. Uh, like and follow on everything else. Uh, check us out on social media. Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm DeadLightGaz92 on Letterboxd. Gazmo205 on Instagram and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I am ChrisBarker823 on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram. So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And until we see you the same time, same place next week, careful when you're putting the trash out. You never know when it's going to be garbage day. Bye.